This month on Devil Times 5, we've got parasites, we've got exploding heads, and we've even got vaginas in our armpits. What more could you ask for? Hello, this is episode 22 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, and this month we're going to be looking at Canadian director David Cronenberg's work in the genre. I'm Cliff Barnes, and my fellow devils are Emily McQuaid, Phil Gerrard, Brian Eno, and CJ Lines. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Oh, let's get started straight away with our highs and lows of the month because there's been a big new cinema release that we need to talk about, hasn't there, CJ? Oh, God, you're starting with me. Oh. <laughs> your low, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine, we'll start on my low. My low uh, was the new Halloween film. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I thought it was terrible. Three different people had written it and it was three different films just crammed into one horrible mess. There's like a weird thing at the start with some annoying British podcasters who are all like, oh, we're going to go and visit Michael Myers and give him a cup of tea. And then they die (laughs) after like five minutes. Um, And it moves on to the second bit, which is like the really bad stoner comedy where you remember that it's directed by the guy who did Pineapple Express. Um, And then after some incessant like stoner team chat, uh, you get Halloween, the original. So like all the all, all the scares, all the good scenes are completely lifted from Halloween, and they've just thrown in a bunch of really annoying shit as well. So I don't know. Like I guess if all you want is to see Michael Myers walk down the street to that music, then that's what you get. But it's weirdly like everybody's been going on. Oh man, the score's so good. It's such a good score. It's the same score. It's the same much. score. Yeah. yeah. So it is it is, it is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, school, but... he's, you know, he's, I think he's re-recorded it or something, yeah. but I mean, even so, it's not radically different. Yeah, I didn't think it was good. I didn't hate it as much as you did, but it's not a good film. I spent a lot of it bored. Um, yeah. I've, I've never really thought Michael Myers is an interesting villain anyway. I get that the point of him is that he doesn't have a, a motive, and mm. he's just pure evil, uh, but that doesn't make it... I, I like the fact that when you see him unmasked at the start, he looks more like Michael Evis than Michael Myers. <laughs> um, Extra scary. I would like to watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the podcast characters, actually. I thought they, thought they were a lot more interested in the Laurie Strode. Yeah, I wish they'd made that movie. I, mm. when, when it started, I thought, well, at least this is something a little bit different. Um, yeah. And it's a story. And then they, they abandoned that within minutes, really. And, and then, yeah, just go off on completely different... The- roots and I just felt like it was a wasted opportunity. Yeah, the thing I thought was oddest was it was as if they'd written a part for Donald Pleasance to play Sam Loomis oh, and God, then yeah. just on the eve of of filming they found out that he was dead. Yeah. He'd been dead for 23 years and they're like, shit, we've got no time to rewrite this. What should we do? Let's just change the name of the character. There was that terrible line at one point where someone actually says, so you're the new Dr. Loomis. It's yes. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly is. Yeah. Crap. Yeah, it's a bad film. Yeah. And you're high. I haven't got a high. Fuck everything. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that like? Do you think there's a way? Because it's difficult, isn't it? Like, is there a way that it could have been good? Because yeah. that yeah. you either you either remake the film exactly as it was, or you do something mm. different that kind of ruins it. I don't know. This seems yeah, like kind of buggered from think, the start. I, I think the problem with this is that they couldn't pick which one of those things they were doing. So you know, they've got this idea for a new story that's all 
around this true crime podcast who are looking into Michael Myers. And that's, yeah. you know, a reasonably interesting setup for a slasher. Um, but then they just chuck that away. They've got this whole subplot with Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, as Laurie Strode and her. Is she sort of like, is she sort of bitching now? Is she sort of fighting oh, back? Oh, no, 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 she's a misery. Oh, is she? But, but again, that, it doesn't work because they try to invite you to think about the ramifications of the first film and think like, oh, yeah, man, that's actually terrible. She's been traumatised mm. for life. So you start thinking about the psychology of it and then you get this half an hour section of stoner comedy. And it's just like, no, this <laughs> it just derails the, uh, you know, the, the emotional impact of it because you, you've just got this tonally all over the place mess and then you know i, I mean I'll, spoilers but it ends with jamie lee curtis strapping on all the the weaponry in the world and she's got this house full of special traps and it's it's just like what where, where are you alone. doing with this so yeah it goes, yeah, it goes it home alone at the much, end it oh, does so go very, yeah. very home alone at the end yeah yeah Michael Myers, the night he came home alone. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Bryony? Uh, well, Milo, going on from Halloween, I've got no interest in Halloween, and I think that's because the first and only Halloween film I've ever seen is Halloween H20, H20. Because um, I had a bit of a nostalgia month, so both my highs and lows are based around nostalgia this month. Um, so I watched Halloween H20, H20, um, on Netflix because it was the first well, one of the first like scary films I watched at a scary sleepover because it is October it's the uh, you know I don't do anything for Halloween now but I used to do sleepovers when I was a kid and I re-watched it and I think the reason why I liked it so much 20 years ago is because lovely lovely Josh Hartnett's in it and he's lovely um <laughs> but we, he is he's, he's 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 doing his acting in it and he's he's, he's a <laughs> hottie um he's doing his best and yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and you can't. It's, I don't know. I mean, it just—it's not good. I mean, I've—I've I've not seen any of the other Halloween films. I've listened to the soundtracks. It's again one of those films that is like I've never seen them because it's so. I feel like I have because of the references in pop culture and stuff. Like it's always mm-hmm. referenced. Um, I haven't seen Halloween three, but I enjoy the soundtrack to that one. The soundtrack came on while I was during well do you know when you put on music when you have time with your partner and then (laughs) (laughs) and because it was on shuffle the halloween 3 soundtrack came on wow and it was just like uh halloween halloween (laughs) yeah it kind of kind of ruined the moment Oh, I thought you were going to say it took things to the next level, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Now I can't get off unless Halloween 3 is on. No, like, the only Halloween film I've watched is Halloween H2O, H20. That um, song is in Halloween 3 a lot, so, you know. Yeah. Can we stop calling it H2O? I think, can everyone stop calling it H2O? It's not Halloween water, is it? It's Halloween H20. They shouldn't have, they shouldn't have called it H2O if they didn't want people to say that it's a stupid name stupid film is, is that is that and everyone writing it as it and the, <laughs> on the, titles. the thing okay so it's an all right slasher film from someone who's completely detached from the halloween apart from getting her jollies off when she listens to the soundtrack um completely new i think i was like 13 when i first watched it and i was like oh this is scary and then watching it as an adult it's like okay they're lifting a lot from the slasher films that were out at that time, um, there was a couple of. It felt very sort of Wes Craven scream. Like yeah, it's the, just a rip off of Scream. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it is. was that time. 
Yeah. Do you have a high? I do have a high, and again, Yay. it's uh, it's nostalgia. It's not a film. It's the the new series on Netflix, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay. Um, give it a watch. It's really good. Because I again watched a lot of Sabrina as a child. I like sassy talking cats. Um, mm-hmm. There was no sassy talking cat in this. They so went at a different angle, and um, there's moments where it's a bit hard to watch. Mostly the teenagers, and you're like, oh, I don't really like this person, Sabrina. And they're like, actually, I don't really like any 16-year-olds, so that's all right. But um, I binged it in a day, and I really recommend wow. watching it. There's a lot of like fun references. There's a there's a Suspiria reference. There's definitely the same um, stained glass window. There's references yeah. to uh, Evil Dead. Like, oh, it's, it's it's fun to watch. I can't remember all the references, but I watched it and I was like, oh, this has been made by people who know what they're doing, and I'm enjoying it. And it's got Lucy Davis in it, who I love. And uh, yeah, it's very good. I'd watch it. Jasper Carrot's daughter, Lucy Davis. Um, was she the one in the office? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she's Aunt Hilda, um, and she's very good in it. She's basically playing herself. I never saw the original Sabrina, so I don't know well, it's, what it's, it's meant to be. It's more, it, it was adapted from a comic book. It was one of the Archie comics series. Yeah, apparently so, um, this. This the uh, this current reiteration of Sabrina is more true to the comics, but I never read them. My, well, they've done my only... they've done a gritty reboot of the comics as well, which is what inspired yeah. the uh, Riverdale the same... TV series and the same, same, same people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same guys. Uh, so it's really Netflix... nothing nothing to do with the '90s Sabrina show. So Cliff, you'd be okay. You could watch it. Yeah. But there's I no mean, sassy watched... talking cat. I would no. I would watch. I would like halfway through watch an episode of Sabrina because it's ah, oh, it was a nice little sitcom, and it had a fun, fun theme tune. Oh, and that that era of American sitcoms, of that that kind of whole. That Sabrina was my bread and butter. I love fucking it. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I couldn't what? stand any of that shit. Oh, I loved all that. It's great. Oh, terrible. <laughs> fucking Enough. Saved by the Bell. Oh, oh, oh they're awful. <laughs> Did oh man, watch... we're all in a really shitty mood today. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a shitty mood about Saved by the Bell and Fresh Prince of Bella my entire life. Wow, that's that's a lot. That's 20 odd years of resentment of, against Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell wasn't that bad. Saved by the Bell, the college years, however, can fucking do one. That was awful. <laughs> I didn't even know that was Well, Emily, what is your, what's your hive? Has there been a reboot of um, Saved by the Bell that you've been... Uh, no, there hasn't been a gritty, gritty reboot of Saved by the Bell. But um, <laughs> I, um, I, well, I rewatched Carrie, so probably... Well, yes, I suppose that could be some kind of retrofitted re- uh, reboot of Saved by the Bell made 20-odd years previously. <laughs> Um, I went on to Netflix because I was going to watch. Um, there's the there's the TV movie version of Carrie, which a friend of mine kept saying it's not that bad. No, really, but I ended up watching the original again, and it's always fabulous. So well, you made the right decision out of those uh, three versions of Carrie, definitely. Yeah, um, and it's one of the, uh, one of those films that I go back to every now and then and go, yeah, this is still as good as it was the first time I watched it. I remember watching it on telly when I was about twelve. Um, it was on a Sunday night, and um, yeah, I. I was I didn't really get that much sleep that night, but that was mostly because I was excited, like wow, that film was great, rather than because I was scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was disappointed to realise in the morning when I got to school that I didn't have telekinetic powers. But, mm. <laughs> but everyone was still mean. Everyone was still an asshole, yeah. But nobody yeah, nobody yeah. threw a bucket no, of pig's blood at me, so you know that's that's okay. <laughs> Winning somewhere. And what's your low? 
Um, well, Low is a film that I quite enjoyed, but I know is quite bad. Um, it's called He Never Died. It stars Henry Rollins as yeah. an undead cannibal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that all right? Uh, he is fantastic in it, but I get the feeling that it should have been a TV show rather than a movie. Because plot-wise, yeah. it sets it all up really, really nicely. And there's there's suggestions that he's a character that's... Wait, that they're saying that he's someone who was around when the Bible was being written. And the implication is that he's Cain from the Bible and he's some kind of, like, force of pure evil. And you have that kind of rubbing up against a sort of a almost sitcom type situation, which is quite nicely played. But then you just... The sort of ridiculous, gory fight scenes start off being fun and then end up being quite boring. So I just think they they kind of thought they were going to do like a character piece and then just went off on one. So like, oh, cool, we can have people having their fingers ripped off brilliantly. But yeah, it's. I think they are doing. I read somewhere they are doing a TV version of it now, as in like a spin-off yeah, with so. the same cast, which would which I think would make more sense because it's an interesting world that it's set in. But it's as an hour and a half of movie, it's a little bit lacking. But. I just I'm not, I'm not sure I, I understand what you're saying about writing characters and things because I watched that and I just thought it was a documentary about Henry Rollins. Oh well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> like he just you know been around since the dawn of time, rips people's fingers off. Yeah, um, it, I don't think he's quite as into bingo as the character that he plays in that. But mind you, I don't know. I walked past Terry Rollins, walked right next to him in um, Edinburgh one year, and he's tiny. He is tiny, yeah, yeah, but he could still probably rip your fingers off. Probably. (laughs) I'm confused because I'm looking at my my review of it, and I absolutely loved it, but I don't remember loving it at all. Mm. So that's something I... (laughs) It's a missed opportunity rather than a bad film, but I would probably watch the TV show when that that happens. I'll have to go back and give that another watch because I really enjoyed it when I first saw it, according to my notes. Uh, Phil? Um, My low is hereditary. Um, I know we've already talked about it, so I'm going to go on on about it for ages. But like, I pretty much agreed with everything that you said about it, CJ. It's kind of boring and funny, right? Um, I was sort of surprised at quite how unintentionally funny it is the when the woman um when she cuts her own head off i was mm. properly hysterical <laughs> and sort of floating around with no heads generally like i'm uh, like it was being played for laughs it was really strange mm. um so i just thought it was a very di- very very disappointing film and they've they've gone so sort of um they've really gone for classic status haven't they they've gone we're making a classic horror film that's going to be thought about for the ages and so they've chucked absolutely everything they can think of into every shot but like i think a lot of it was kind of ripped off a lot of it was ripped off from the shining like like in the shining they have a scene where jack looks at the maze and um the maze yeah. as a as yeah, a yeah, um, yeah. as a model becomes reality it's like they said we could have that idea and just build an entire film around that idea. But in The Shining, that kind of means something. Um, it sort of is his, you know, it's his control over those people. But I didn't understand where the meaning was in Hereditary. Like, 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 did you, all the way through, they were constantly pushing this idea that it's all happening in a doll's house. That mm. all the, everything was made to look like a doll's house, but I had no idea why. Do you have any idea no. why it was supposed to be no, a doll's I, house? Absolutely. I, that, I think that's just an affectation that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, absolutely. Just an affectation. Yeah, so it was really disappointing they were being and had sort played. of. They were being played with by the cult. The cult were playing with them from the get go. Sorry. That's just my interpretation. I liked it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I suppose, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? They're playing, they're, they're being played with as sort of like playthings, I guess. But that didn't really come across, did it? That they were being that they were being played with. They had another thing which was boxes in boxes, didn't they? All the way through, there's boxes, scenes of boxes, shots of boxes, or over and over again. And I guess that is because there's like you know there's spirits inside the people who are inside, but it just all felt so over egged. Like if you see what I mean, so sort of. Uh, I don't know. I'm moving house at the moment, so boxes freak me out. Like if you just did a film of boxes, like not enjoying it. <laughs> anyway, that was my low light. Anyway, yeah. Low okay. Um, my highlight was um, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but my highlight was um, Ouija Two: Origin of Evil, yeah, which okay. was fucking brilliant. That film is terrible, but it just does all of the stuff really well. Like, it does all the, like, little kids walking on the ceiling really well. Like, the big open mouth thing that, like, all horror films have now. It's only In only that film, I remember him being scary. And it's funny and silly and rollocks along. It looks great. I just thought it was... I loved loved Mm. that film. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, my low, um, oh, I've I've just watched so much shit like you, CJ. It's been hard to choose a, a low because there've been so many. I'm gonna go with a film called The House with a Hundred Eyes. I bought a um, thirty film, thirty DVDs oh, for God, thirty yeah. quid thing from Ooh, Matchbox a few why? months ago, and uh, this is one of the. I mean, there's some good stuff in it, and there's some bad stuff. This is one of the bad ones. The House with a Hundred Eyes from 2013. It's about a uh, couple who. Um, they rigged up their house with loads of cameras and they want to do like the most spectacular snuff movie ever. So they drag three people in off the street and um, start killing them. And the, uh, the fucking snuff bits, are the fake snuff is incredible. Really good. I, like, I can't believe that it got, <laughs> it's, it's there on a UK DVD with an 18 certificate because it's so realistic and horrible. It accounts, but it accounts for about a minute's worth of the entire running time, and the rest of it is really boring. So, uh, yeah, that was shit. Um, and I haven't seen that much that's been particularly good, apart from rewatches and Cronenberg stuff. But um, there's a film called Fractured, which is on Amazon Prime, um, or Prime Video, as it's called now, by Jamie Patterson, who's from down here in Brighton. Uh, he's a very prolific, uh, low-budget filmmaker. You would not guess that he made this with 14 grand it's amazing what you can make a 14 grand film look like these days looks looks really good um it's about a couple who uh they're staying at a holiday home but then there's like bumps in the night and you don't know whether it's supernatural or an actual home invasion um and then it pulls a sort of uh twist halfway through which i think kind of cheats the audience a bit in what is said what isn't said uh but you know, it's a pretty good film. It's well worth a watch, I think. It's, it's on Prime. It's called Fractured. And, oh yeah, it's got a few jump scares. The, the screen and I saw it and a couple of women absolutely lost their shit. So, you know. <laughs> 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 it might even be scary as well. All right. Uh, we've got some feedback from last month's HP Lovecraft episode. First up, thanks to Cinema Strikes for recommending a silent short film called The Call of Cthulhu from 2005. Which is apparently a really terrific and rare faithful adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's work. Don't suppose anyone's seen that? Nope. Uh, nope I, no. I, all I could find was a, a couple of versions on YouTube where some of the uploaders have dubbed Metallica's track, The Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> and um, they put comments saying, I think this works really well. I think this it's great how this works with the film. And I, I don't fucking think it does. So yeah. I, it would be nice to see the original, but... 
Um, and International House of Horrors podcast tweeted to say they want to listen to an episode where we play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game with yeah. me as Games Master and you lot as the players. I'm, I'm well up for that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it. I don't think I could. I mean, I'm, I don't think I can get back into the fucking <laughs> oh. role-playing games. Oh, oh they're great. Ooh, yeah, totally. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's enough about Dunwich. Let's go Toronto. Let's go to Toronto. And let's start at the beginning with David Cronenberg's first horror film, 1975's They Came From Within, a.k.a. The Parasite Murders, a.k.a. Orgy of the Blood Parasites, a.k.a. Shivers. If you think you're not afraid of the dark, if you think you have a strong stomach, if you feel nothing can shock you, if you say you don't scare easily, if you believe you've seen everything, then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear, beyond your wildest nightmares, and brings you face to face with terror, beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Quick. <laughs> the residents of an apartment complex become the victims of an outbreak of giant sexually transmitted parasites that turn them into sex-crazed maniacs. Um, first off, did you notice um, the end of that trailer? Did you recognise how similar it was to the end of that Who Can Kill a Child yes. trailer? Yes. Yeah. That went like this. If this doesn't frighten you, you'd better see a psychiatrist. <laughs> there must have been a thing in the 70s that like, if, you, if you're desensitised to horror films, fucking, you know, get your head looked at, mate. There must be loads and loads, must have been loads and loads of psychiatrists going, look, have you got anything wrong with you? No, I just saw this and I wasn't scared. <laughs> Easy money for them, I suppose. Uh, CJ, this is your favourite, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of my favourite films uh, of all time. I, I I think it's brilliant. Um, I think it's it's got such a disturbing atmosphere. I think right from the start, uh, you've got that slideshow which kind of puts you a little bit off kilter because it's so bland uh, and and drab. And then it cuts to uh, footage that at the time you've got no idea why or what's going on of just an old man seemingly molesting a schoolgirl uh completely silent like there's no music all you can hear is just the natural sound effects of him like throwing her around and and that's a horrible horrible way to start a film like it's really ugly and abrasive and just like ugh. and the fact that that's intercut ironically with uh the couple being shown around the luxury flats i just think is a nice touch that just puts you in a place of disorientation right right from the start uh and then obviously as it gets into where it's going and the the parasites come in and start spreading and everybody gets turned into these sex maniacs it's just gross like it's really horrible like the scenes where you just see them like walking down the corridor like prowling for sex um it's, it, it just makes it feel really grotesque and yet by the end by that swimming pool orgy he's kind of turned it into something else because with everybody a raving sex fiend it, it actually becomes weirdly erotic and that that swimming pool orgy scene is like 
actually appealing after, <laughs> after all of that violence. I don't know. I just uh, I think when you when you couple they've that got with poos Sam, in their mouths. No, I know, but, but, but that's the genius of the film is that you're kind of watching it and it's still I don't know. Just getting of... such an insight into you, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, see I, a psychiatrist because you enjoy the film too much. <laughs> see a psychiatrist. If you've got a hard on from this movie, <laughs> talk to sitting there going, "Whoa, you oh. doctor! <laughs> oh, you dirty little worm, you!" <laughs> anyway. I mean, what do, what do you think of the parasites? The parasite design themselves, everyone. Oh, they're great. Yeah, yeah, they're poos, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sort of oh, sex yeah. poos with bell ends. Yeah. yeah, they're poos with bell ends. <laughs> well, there's some delightful combination. Also, with a bit of slug in there as well. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's amazing because because it makes it like funny as well as really disturbing. Because like, if you've got poos going into your mouth, into people, not your mouth, but the, the people you're watching, if you've got poos going into people's mouths, that is both funny and disgusting. On YouTube, there's like a 20 minute long like documentary called um, Fear on Film or Forbidden Film or something. Um, made in like the 90s uh, that BBC Two made just before a screening of Videodrome and it's got like uh, Cronenberg talking about it and like someone else going that scene where Parasite it's so disturbing it's just and it's it's not it's just a shit coming up the drain in a bath like I've seen creepier things in baths although a poo in a bath would be oh it's that kind of mist oh. of red and brown that follows it as it goes yeah. through the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever looked after children you've seen weird shit coming out of people like I don't know I, I wasn't a fan of sh- I wasn't a fan of shivers I, oh, no. I wanted to like it but I just I didn't like it I didn't it was, I see what it was trying to do and stuff but I, I preferred because shivers and rabbit get compared quite a lot and I did much prefer hmm. rabbit okay. um but shivers i just i was just bored a lot of the time wow. well it's got a funny pace has it it's got a funny it's yeah. very slow there are a few really weird mundane scenes of people doing mm. nothing which, which i like mm. because i think it gives the tower block a sense of realism like it is actually a world of people living but the, the one scene that i think is hilariously dull is the bit where lynn larry's cooking a meal uh, and she's walking around the flat, commenting on what she's doing. She put, puts the, the beef in the oven to you. Mmm, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's the inane, but in, in a sort of viewed from a way that you just really boring things become slightly terrifying, but also quite funny. Yeah. And yeah. also, yeah, it's, it's just like it's reality, but kind of like shifted just a tiny, tiny few. It, so it feels weird even before you get the poo cock slugs. I mean, maybe it's because I, I've... <laughs> My, my my knowledge before this month of Cronenberg was stuff like Naked Lunch and Existence and all like the, the really out there ones. So when I was like mm. sat down for shivers, mm. I was like, oh, right. Uh, OK. But I guess yeah, I guess because it was made to be a 70s exploitation movie called, you know, uh, what is it? Orgy of the Blood Parasites. I think they've given him some money thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just churn out some grindhouse thing. And he kind of mm. does, but it's not titillating or you know exciting yeah, you've changed your tune. a lot of those well, <laughs> I didn't say titillating yeah I think I think I would have liked more sexy parasites I think that was what I said right. to my friend because he's like what Do are you, you mean watching sexier parasites or sexier more, just more well, like, of the ones I've, that there are I watch a lot of sci-fi and a lot of sci-fi does deal with sexy parasites um there's a there's a classic Star Trek uh, next generation episode where they all get infected with uh, sexy disease 
And I was expecting shit like that, but uh, there was, was it no... Called, s- is it called Picard and the Sexy Parasites? It basically, yeah. <laughs> I quite like the fact that the parasites in... Um, in this movie is just kind of like really sort of everyday disgusting things. There's nothing kind mm. of, it's just, you know, this, this is a, a boring, weird, mundane world and it's got boring, weird, mundane parasites. You got to remember how rare it was in 1975 to have horror films that weren't Gothic. Mm. Yeah. At all, that were actually set in the modern day. Mm-hmm. That's and... actually a thing that was covered in that 20 minute documentary on YouTube. Um, that before that it was only Dracula and stuff. And then mm. Romero and Cronenberg came along with their weird shit. Um, but I don't know, maybe because it's the first time for me watching it and because I've been exposed to a lot of more out there horror. Like mm. When it came to it, I was like, this is a bit tame and boring. Joe Blasco's makeup effects, where the parasites are seen like, writhing under people's skin. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, it's really so, yeah. 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 I can't figure out how some of those are even done, like where Barbara Steele is snogging. Uh... When it comes out of her throat. Mm. Yeah. What did you think, Phil? You like it? It's one of my favourite films of all time. I love this film. Like it's, uh, when, just, when did we start agreeing? Uh, <laughs> it's one of my, I, I think, like, top five. I love it so much. Um, I just think it's, like like you say, it's just, it's funny, but it's not sort of, it's sort of witty rather than funny. It's properly horrific, I think, because the horror isn't really what's up on the screen. It's it's sort of the meaning of it, I think, which is why that last scene of all of the garages going Mm. up and all the cars Mm. very quietly going out into the world is proper Mm. terrifying. Uh, But it's only terrifying if you internalise it, I think. That reminded me of the end of um, Who Can Kill a Child, which is funny because you were saying the trailer reminds you of that. You know, at the end, they're all like, we're off to play. Like That's the first thing I thought when they're all calmly... Can we make the other children play as we do? Yeah, it's it's similar. Yeah, it's (laughs) sort of going out into the world. And and of course, they're not. It's not really a sex parasite. It's a kind of. A, it, it makes people rape people. That's what it yeah, does. True. So like, it's like it's not a. Um, you could make that film where like the parasite. He sort of sets it up at the start, doesn't he? That people think too much and feel too little, and he wants the world to become a big orgy of sort of. Mm. But it's not. That's not the thing that he creates. He creates mm. like a rape. He creates like an army of rapists. Really, is what he mm. creates with that parasite, which is much, much more horrific than the sort of um, than a sort of orgy parasite thing, which I think is what it's it 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 actually isn't. Um, and just the feeling of it's great, right? It's fucking horrifying that film. Um, which is um, there's there's one guy who's got a beard. It's like a, a tall, thin guy, and he attacks. I think he attacks the two children in the lift. Yeah, and that guy just haunts my nightmares. That is <laughs> horrific. That bit. <laughs> um, my favourite bit in this film is where he eats um, the pickle. I love the guy. They eat sandwiches together and talk about. Uh, yeah, that guy's great. And he's like, he's eating his pickle and his sandwich, talking about how it, the world could be a beautiful orgy. I just think it's a, oh, it's a perfect horror film. I thought for for me. Sex Parasite is the name of my next band, so there's got to be a band called Sex Parasite. I mean, it either sounds like a band name or a cramp song, so I'm on board with yeah. Sex Parasite. After Blood Puddling, mm, Blood Puddling featuring Sex Parasite. Oh, that sounds great. Blood Puddling and the Sex Parasites. Yeah, we're just going to do a split EP. Nice. Um, I don't know. The most disturbing thing I found in this film was the main character's comb forward. Like that's all I can say about it. I didn't. It didn't stick with me or anything. His hair did, but that was about it. But I'm glad everyone else enjoyed it. Do you not think there was a sort of prescience to the ending, given given the time that it was released and the fact that a few years later uh, the AIDS crisis would happen? It, it feels um, like that, doesn't it? It feels. I like mean, it's it's of... really weird how. 
I think that and the the sort of yuppie invasion of the 80s, this Mm. film feels about seven years ahead of its time. Well, a lot of Cronenberg's films are very visionary, aren't they? Um, Especially his horror work. um, Well, you would say the themes are in Cronenberg's. Vaginas in places where they shouldn't be vaginas. (laughs) (laughs) Vaginas everywhere! Very big insects. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> With vaginas. USB ports. He's always plugging shit into things, yeah. isn't he? Oh, he, um, he likes things that are inside somewhere that shouldn't be in there, like things that are does. inside the body that, that are destroying the body. Um, yeah. He, I bet he's into pegging. <laughs> I bet he's into pegging. <laughs> <laughs> What else is it? What else is it? I like this game. Um, Existence is just about pegging, isn't it? (laughs) Well, we'll get on to that. We'll we'll do we'll do his uh, ten horror films in turn in in chronological order. So next up is Rabid from 1977 about a. uh, a woman who's involved in a motorbike crash, but the nearest hospital is, in fact, an experimental plastic surgery clinic. Fucking mm-hmm. great, um, Rabid. Love Rabid. Really enjoyed it. Big fan of Rabid. I've watched it a few times. I never really got into it until, like, recent. The, the most recent time I watched it. I really liked it now. Mm. So it's a good sort of panic on the streets film, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's great. It's like... basically, it's everything I want every zombie film to be. That point where it's it's before everything's gone to shit. It's the, pro- yeah. it's the actual process. The gradual build-up. And then the point where it gets to, oh shit, we're fucked. Um, I like the vagina in the armpit, or is it a penis? What was it in the armpit? It was, it was a, a penis in a vagina in an armpit. It was just a mis- mismatch, mix match, hodgepodge. I think I think the film should be called Armpit Vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Featuring it's like a sex sort of parasite. penis jack in the box inside a, <laughs> inside a vagina. Penis jack in the box. <laughs> Cock in the box. There we go. Cock in the box. <laughs> it's like a sort of hermaphroditic thing, isn't it? Stars Marilyn Chambers, of course. She was an instant. Post porn facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mid porn, really, because she went back to it after. Yeah, obviously, speech. Marilyn Chambers, famous for Behind the Green Door a few years yeah. before Rabbit. Um, and yeah, I mean, she actually did a lot of non. But she did more non porn acting than she did porn acting. Uh, she did a lot of theatre, um, but just found it difficult to get Hollywood roles uh, having done the porn mm. films, so went back to porn. I think I think Rabbit is is one of the most conventional Cronenberg films. Like it is still weird as fuck, but it, you could show it to a, a, horror, a normal horror audience, and they would not be as uh, weirded out as, as some of them. I think you know it's got it's got that it's got a lot of conventions to it as well as unconventions mm. and it's not a bad thing I, I, I agree with Bryony it's got that great like mounting hysteria to it but it's not quite as weird as uh, as the others from that era I think yeah and I think that's one of the reasons it took me long long time many many decades to to like it because it's always been the one that isn't that freaky it does it doesn't have that many special effects for example um mm. I think it fits in quite nicely with like the other his other films. Watching them in chronological order was a really good idea this time because yeah. that's, um, that's how I did it. Definitely. And um, yeah, you can kind of see sort of foreshadowing of what's to come after. And mm. um, it is a little bit more conventional, but you've still got this kind of sense of reality being slightly askew. And then there's a couple of bits of the kind of weird sort of 
camp in the sense of super serious deadpan like there's a bit with um is it the mayor or the politician where there's like the, the zombies are coming up on the car and he says to the guy that's in the car with him oh no they might be trade unionists yeah <laughs> <laughs> a bit of slightly cheesy sort of dad satire there but it's still quite it's still um, pretty good and i love that final shot of her being taken away in the um the rubbish truck that's just so mm. fucked up yeah and disturbing mm. I just like the fact that she was she was the cause of everything, but she was still p- a person. Yeah, she's like, a really really good character. She's lovely performance yeah, you, as well. She's great. You'd expect because typically with these these types of films, it's like you've got patient zero and they're immediately a monster, and it was just like you're you're going along with it with her, and it's mm. she's each. I mean, she's trying to solve it herself at the end when yeah. she locks herself in that room, that guy, and I really liked that because you don't usually see that. Yeah. Um, so next up, he did a fucking racing movie, Fast Company. Skip over that. Uh, the Brood, 1979, about a woman whose psychological demons take physical form. I think this is kind of the point where, like, I mean, as I say, I think Shivers is is really up there, one of my favourites. But I think The Brood is where he coheres the style that he would he would stick to for for the next ten years. I think I think this is where it starts to really become recognisably fully. Cronenberg and he creates this whole other genre really like I think The Brood is not conventional in the way that Rabbit is I think it's really really out there uh I think it builds on themes from from Shivers and Rabbit especially you know things inside you that are that are horrible things growing in you emotions turning into physical things um I I I think it's great I think I think it's a really really brilliant movie um and just uh, gross in the good way. <laughs> mm. I really, really love The Brood. Um, yeah, it's it's properly unsettling. It really kind of gets under your skin and it makes you sort of, I don't know, it, it's just, there's all sorts of weird themes in there about the way that you're kind of constrained by the weird stuff that your brain does and the weird stuff that your body does. And it's, yeah, it's, it's fab. And um, also features Oliver Reed being sinister mm. camp and uh, yeah. fascinating in his, his usual manner. Before he became a punchline, he was a very good actor. Yeah, I can never hate anything that Oliver Reed's in. Um, I don't know, I just don't... I don't like The Brood that much. It's not awful by any means, but I, I just can't get into it. I don't know. Oh, I'm back and forth with it. I have this thing about Cronenberg. It's like, I feel like if I watch one of, the, one of his films, I have to say that I get it and that I really right. like it because otherwise I look stupid. Um, and I have this with a few directors where it's like, oh yeah, that that was good. But if you don't like something, it's like, maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I I get I get this. Um, and I and I definitely think with later Cronenberg, I mm. I would say that applies. But I think what I absolutely adore about this run between Shivers, certainly between Shivers and The Fly, is he was making commercial horror pictures they they were accessible and they were aimed at a wider audience but he was throwing in all this really fucked up shit like philosophically uh viscerally you know and he was getting away with putting all these ideas in something that is still a horror picture like it still works as a as a horror movie and that that's what i think that's where the best films that's where the best films exist, I think, is mm. where they where, where they're solidly genre. Because films, yeah. I, in my opinion of films, is there should be roller coaster rides. Um, mm. There, and yeah. I think that if you can get uh, deeper meanings into uh, films that are 
like a hundred percent genre pictures, yeah. then that's that's when you make sort of really really incredible films. I agree, hundred percent. Uh, right. So next up, nineteen eighty one, Scanners, <laughs> sci fi thriller about two groups of people with psychic and the telekinetic powers who go to war against each other. Um, yeah, uh, again, I think this is another one that I have only really just got into now, having been a bit uh, agnostic about it over the years, but it is good. Mm, it is yeah. great, yeah. I don't know if this is apocryphal, but the, the, the famous bit where the head blows up, um, I can tell me if this is if this is true or not. But I read that it was um, they had lots of sort of clever sort of special effects to try and make that head blow up, and none of them worked. So the bloke who was in charge of the special effects just blew off the shotgun. Is that true? Yeah, I've heard that as well. <laughs> if it Don't is apocryphal, it's a good story. I hope that's true because that's wicked. Just go ah, oh, fuck it, get my gun, <laughs> just blow it off. It and is it does sort of look. Though, isn't it? They couldn't like... have picked an actor with a riper head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not credited Stick as Mr. Melonhead. Yeah. But the biggest head in Hollywood cinema. I, but like, look, I love that that guy is forever the exploding head in Scanners. Yeah. No matter what yeah. else he does, that's, that's, that's what he is. Um, he's iconic. It's like that that, that woman in um, in in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street who says no running in the hallway. Like she <laughs> yeah. she she can do like she can go to Comic Con. She can have she's got a whole and they just go do the thing and she goes no running in the hallway and they go yeah, yeah there's fifty quid. Yeah, it's a lot harder for this guy to do, do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Every fucking convention. <laughs> um, one thing that bothers me a bit about scanners is when all these actors are having to roll around going, all me head, all me head, do their headache <laughs> acting. No, they do that so well. With the, the music is what makes that work. Like the Howard yeah, Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You separate yourself from the music yeah. and it just looks silly. Um, who, who watched scanners like off their own back? Like, who was... I watched it on the telly. Well, the only reason I watched scanners is, um, I think it's in Wayne's World. When the, like, oh, have you yeah, seen yeah, that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he goes. And then yeah, Garth is like, head yeah. like that's yeah. the only reason I watch I'm, Scanners. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm showing my age because I, I watched it because of the the VHS sleeve, which has got Michael Ironside at the end with his eyes kind of rolled back, burning skin, uh, on fire, and it was just it was a horrible image, just a really mm. nasty, weird image. And I thought, yeah, whatever that film's about, I. I want to know. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> He's great in this. I fucking I love Michael Ironside. Yeah, oh, he is fantastic in this. Is, like, I think Scanners is like, one of the few Cronenberg films where some of the performances are a little bit odd, but Ironside makes up for it because he he goes for it in this. He does a lot of very very good face acting, kind of weird twitchy face things. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought whenever I see Michael Ironside in other films, I've always thought. Doesn't he normally have that little dent in his face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strangely, I always think, isn't he missing an arm? Because the first thing I saw Ironside in was uh, Starship Troopers, which he's oh, yeah. fabulous in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fabulous. But yeah. what what put me up, I watched Scanners for the first time maybe 10 years ago, and I was brought up watching uh, Starship Troopers, and then watching Scanners in my 20s, I was like, oh, damn, he's quite hot. Especially when he's on fire at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a line in it which I think sums up my 20s very well with the, for the guys I go for. Because they go, age 21, he was self-destructive. Age 27, he is simply destructive. It's like, oh, that's everyone I go out with. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Michael Ironside. How are you? Yay, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. 
let's listen to the Halloween 3 soundtrack together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you know about the Allen Memorial Institute in Canada? No. What about that? It was was a, a psychiatric hospital where the CIA from America did a load of tests on people and this all came out in the mid 70s oh, yeah. um, and it was all about um, trying to weaponize self-esteem l- lack of, lack of self-esteem just they'd pump all these negative phrases into people's heads like you are worthless you are a piece of shit all this and just make them completely you know useless humans who couldn't do anything for the rest of their lives and this all came out in the 70s and I, th- I suspect that that news story was a large part of what influenced these first few Cronenberg oh, horror wow. films. Wow. I was thinking these days we have social media to do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> Did they get powers or anything afterwards? Was What was the, the point of those experiments? The, uh, well, it was a weapon, so it would... Oh, okay, just putting someone down. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. emotional terrorism. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Which probably, in a sort of way, brings us on to Videodrome. Um, in which a small-time cable TV executive who gets uh, gets lured into a futuristic world where the TV screen is king. Um, I mean, probably his most prescient film. Yeah. 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 I can't say I like Videodrome. I've tried. I I can see that it's great, but I can't... um, There's some sort of disconnect for for me. I just can't love it. I I don't really know why. I mean, did, I'm not saying did, it's bad. I think you, it's great. Did you but... ever have satellite TV at any point, like in no, the beyond no, this? Because my my family got it in the the early '90s, um, and it was so exciting. Not for the channels that had all the stuff on that you normally watch, but if you went up yeah. into the higher channels, you could oh, pick really? up like German <laughs> channels and all sorts, and they'd show like oh, yeah. soft soft porn, video nasties, all kinds of things, and and just you had no idea what was on. You'd just flip over and hope for the best, or you'd just watch hours yeah. of like news in German so that you could, you know, hopefully see the exercise. See some porn. You know, I remember a friend of mine telling um, me she was um, traumatized from watching cable TV because um, one night she switched it on, sort of like, oh, everyone's gone to bed, I'll see what's on. And it was a horse fucking video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's the, that's what makes video drone so good is 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 that 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 was kind of how cable tv and satellite tv yeah, was yeah. but you could oh, no, i can see that it's good that it's just a, it's just i don't love it i don't know why it's a hard one to love i think because it's so cold mm. and kind of weird but it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mesmerizing yeah. and it does kind of draw you in but it's yeah there's literally no one, no one to like in that film. No. Yeah. There's yeah. very. There's no humour. There's no. There's no sort of humanity mm. in that film anywhere. Really. There's humour. No, I mean, the guy's name is Brian Oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, that and, is pretty funny. His name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I would say. I would say Rick Baker is the one to like in this film. The guy. Oh, okay. the, the effects guy, because it's an effects film. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. Mm. I yeah. just. I, I love that period in horror where you just have yeah. movies like this and um, the thing. Just these huge budget effects movies. It's amazing. Um, I think Videodrome is probably the only film in all of horror, possibly, that has never been ripped off and isn't a rip off. Uh, Apart from In Existence. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Bird rips himself off with Existence. But yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that, would you say there's been no other film like Videodrome ever apart from Existence? There are uh, other ones that deal with that sort of thing. Thing, right, but I can't think of anything that. No, I can't either. I, uh, no, I mean, 
Strange Days. Oh yeah, Strange yeah, Days. That's a maybe. good good show actually. Strange yeah. Days is a similar sort of thing. I love Strange Days. It's a great film. Mm. But really underrated, I think. Also, it's a shame that you didn't watch Halloween Three because I think Halloween Three and Videodrome are excellent double bill. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that sim- would be fun. Very nice similar atmosphere, yeah. very similar music, and also they're both about signals coming through the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched yeah. the trailer and it looks, it looks yeah. fucking ridiculous. So next up, 1983, uh, The Dead Zone, which mm. of course we talked about mm. uh, back in February on episode 14, mm. um, on our Stephen King episode, but I remember it like it was just yesterday. Oh yeah. I mean, what a great limp. One of the best on-screen <laughs> limps there's ever been. I mean, the range of that limp is... Ex- I mean, it's a, a three-metre-wide well, limp that guy's got. Not, um, not so much Christopher Walken as Christopher Limpen. Yes. <laughs> There's probably not a better run in the history of cinema for me than just The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome and The Fly. So what the fuck's this doing in the middle of all that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, where are the exploding heads? Where are the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The vaginas. Where are the vaginas? I can see why I tried to do young Cronenberg, but where are the vaginas? <laughs> I'm not a pervert. I mean, the vaginas in people's stomachs. Oh, oh great times. days. Great days. <laughs> days. I can't believe we just had a flashback sequence. <laughs> I feel like that makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> How? Oh. Right, we'll skip over the fly for now because we're doing that as our second feature. So next up is 1988's Dead Ringers, about identical twin gynecologists whose relationship is stretched, for want of a better word, when they meet a woman with an unusual cervix. Um, I mean, this is this even horror? Should we have included this one? Uh, yeah, it's, I, think, it's, I think it's it's pretty horrible. Horror. It unsettles me on many, many levels. And um, yeah. when I first yeah. saw it, I was like, "This is brilliant!" But I was about twenty and really pretentious. I go, "Oh, this is really clever!" Now I just watch mm. it and I'm like, "Oh, great! Toxic masculinity, delightful." <laughs> and also, Jeremy Irons is a knobhead, think... so just kind of ugh. don't oh, want to see. It's such a shame that he's a knobhead because what, watching him in this is one of the very best performances I've ever seen. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant it's performance, but he's also a knobhead playing two knobheads, so, you know, maybe yeah, that's why yeah, it's yeah, so good. Why is, he a, why is he a knobhead? Has something happened? Has something come out? Oh, do you remember when um, the, the whole debate about whether we should have gay marriage, and he said, um, yeah, but what next? What if I want to marry my dog? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then yeah. He, he, says, remember that. he said, shall I marry my son tomorrow? To which a mate of mine oh, commented, right, yeah. yeah, but his son is hot, so... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeremy. Oh, the old, the old Jezmeister. Yeah, oh, just, Jeremy. I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just get the... Aside from that particular stupid comment, I just get the feeling that he's a prick and I don't really know why. He might be a really oh. nice man. He might be really kind to puppies, but... Who knows? No, he wants to marry him. Marry him. <laughs> uh, I wasn't able to watch this one because my Amazon Prime app is shit. Um, so should I watch this? Yes, no. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's the start of Cronenberg moving towards a more kind of drama milieu. Mm-hmm. It's a pretentious word. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it's interesting how he's made some films that are sort of dramas that horror fans can enjoy. Yeah. I think I think this is this is really on the on the cusp though. I mean, there's definitely strong horror elements in this, like the the gynecological tools for yeah. mutant yeah. women. Um, I mean, that you couldn't you couldn't have that in a non a completely non-genre film. I mean, they are proper. 
That is Cronenberg horror tools. Yeah. And and the weird thing is, is I, I hadn't watched it for about maybe 10, 15 years until I watched it a couple of weeks ago with some friends. And we'd all seen it. Uh, and we were all like, oh, man, this is... It's a grim film. Uh, if we, you know, be careful. There's a lot of gynecological horror, and we watched it, and there's actually nothing really on the screen. Mm. Uh, but in my mind, just seeing those tools had implanted yeah. something horrific yeah. in my head for all this time, because they're just so horrible. I mean, think how it feels to actually have a gynecological exam. They're not exactly pleasant. I'm sure it's like the same thing that's done in seven, isn't it? You see what's going, what's mm, going to go up, or what has been up. Yeah, but these the things victims. are like, <laughs> but yeah, um, you don't actually see it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine what they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think just the, the the way the film treats sex is kind of the culmination of what he started with with Shivers. I think um, it just. It, I mean, I think Dead Ringers in particular makes you just never want to have sex again. It's, it's so... Uh, <laughs> Certainly not with Jeremy Irons. Yeah, anyway. well, <laughs> yeah, but it just it makes Unless the human body really... Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's a there's a beauty to, to it in all of his films. He talks about the poetry of the flesh and, and what have you, but there's also just this this horror of what's inside you and and what David Cronenberg wants to put inside you. Um, and, and yeah, Dead Ringers has got all that. So slightly odd question, perhaps, would you have sex with a typewriter? Uh, Naked Lunch is next, 1991. Hey. About a writer who has to hide out in the strange hallucinatory interzone after he accidentally kills his wife. Um, I'd not seen this one before and I really liked it. Um, I've not read any William Burroughs for a while, and there's a reason why his work has got a reputation for being completely unfilmable. Mm. But this kind of like gets all the good bits of his stuff, and is, in, you know, it also has the whole kind of Cronenberg spin on it. It's properly weird. It's kind of sort of deadpan funny in places, and I think um, Peter Weller is absolutely fab in it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, bits of it were I found bits of it really funny, and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to. But then I got that same feeling when I read some of William Burroughs' work years and years ago as well, so... I think I feel like it is supposed to be funny. Yeah. I feel like it is It is, to be... yeah. I mean, there's 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 a fair amount of sort of... You, you get all this kind of fucked-up hallucinatory stuff going on with Burroughs, but then you occasionally just get... He's rendered someone with a really weird accent or something. But the bit that really made me laugh <laughs> was the sex scene and then the kind of, like, weird spine monster wants to join in. That's <laughs> that, that sort of rubber bum thing that... <laughs> yeah, yeah the rubber bum, so the bum spine monster. It's, yeah, it's so fake, and yet it's like the sex worms in Shivers. They're so f- it looks so fake, but at the same time is genuinely horrific. Yeah, it's and something about the way that it moves. Understand. I think there's a whole uncanny thing going on. But, yeah, um, yeah, that bum thing is just horrifying. Yeah, but um, it's also quite funny, you know. <laughs> horrifying kind of way. Yeah, because then the housekeeper just like gets a riding crop out and logo shoot shoot. They must have had so much fun building all that shit. Like if you're yeah. if you're a uh, creature effects person, mm. and they say, "Oh, we want we want a typewriter that turns into a, like a gigantic, um, what is it, a stag beetle?" I suppose. It's just. Like I mean, you yeah, kind of be- thing. It's a be- yeah. Well, it's a beetle. But before it does yeah. that, this cock has to appear from it and then spunk up. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you'd, you'd just be rubbing your hands, wouldn't you? Going at last, I knew I knew this would come one day. Um, <laughs> Again, I think. Um, well, not again. I mean, video drama. I love everything about, but this one, I think I, I think it's just the effects I really like about it. I'm not sure I yeah. really get. I really dig the story that much. It's quite boring. Is there a story? Mm. 
Well. No, not really, but it's <laughs> it's kind of bits of the, the book Naked Lunch, which doesn't really have that much of a plot, and then bits of... Yeah, um, it's certainly evocative of the novel. I mean, I, I, I first watched Naked Lunch about when I was in uni, so about 10, 11 years ago, and I, a friend of mine at uni loaned me the book. And I was art school, so everyone was very sincere, and he was like, you have to read this book. It's really, really good. Everyone at art school is very posh. And so I read the book, and I was like, yeah, I understood some of that. And then um, he was like, you have to come round. We have to watch the film. So I was like, yeah, all right. But the thing is, he, was, he wasn't he was drinking, so we just sort of got high and watched his film. And I was like, yeah, it's the guy from Robocop. That's all right. And then we had to watch um, Holy Mountain, and I lost all interest in film oh, wow. after that. Um, it was a long night. It was a long night. And we didn't even bag. It was really not worth it. But um, uh, it is a fine film. But is it just weird for the sake of being weird? I don't know. Like, this is when Um, I feel stupid about Cronenberg. Because it's like... If I I had that amount of money, I would do shit like that. I think Naked Lunch is the break point where it kind of becomes uh, a little bit like that. Like I say, I think prior to that, they were much more conventional genre pictures mm. with weird stuff in. Uh, but I think Naked Lunch is where it does become weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like you I mean, can't my, say, my, oh, yeah, that's that's a horror film or, you know. My, my I think that's of... true. Like, from looking at the list, who have got the list in front of me, from mm. now on, there isn't there isn't one that I've really enjoyed, yeah. I don't think. What, is it but, filmography and... after? Yeah. Out there, after after Naked Lunch, they become, I think, less and less fun mm. and and more ponderous. I, I think, I think for, for me, Shivers through to Dead Ringers is the, as I said on that flashback that you've already heard, yeah. I think it is like the absolute perfect run of films. I don't think any director's done anything better. Uh, and then he just loses me completely after mm. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Crash. We're not going to talk about Crash because it's not horror. Really. Uh, I, I, I don't really, know if I really Ringers, didn't if like Crash. No, I didn't if like Dead Crash. Is horror, maybe Crash is. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I, I love Crash. I think it's amazing. Um, but his last horror film to date, 1999's Existence, uh, with a virtual reality, <laughs> a virtual reality game designer whose playtest goes violently wrong while she's trapped inside it. And this was a revelation to me because I've always liked it, but I never realised how much I like it. Uh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I, I, I can't be honest. I didn't rewatch it. I, I know oh, I should have done, but rewatch I it because it's so it. bad. I know. It's not right? bad. It's just it is. It is. Existence is a film I watched when I was fourteen, and it was on like when film four had no adverts. So they're like, and now on film four at eleven, ooh, we're gonna have the weird hour, and then <laughs> they show the weird films, and they showed Existence. When I was fourteen, I was like, oh my god, my life is changed and then i rewatched it recently i was like this is bollocks why is christopher eccleston talking with such a shit accent um, well, you find out why yeah but in a game it, it all, be, all makes sense it should be better stupid it's a stupid film and i'm not That's i don't know where i stand with it it's just not good but i kind of love it because it's so bad i take it as a follow-up to video dream it's um an update uh, you know, yeah. when the death of the demoness Allegra Geller, it's like, yeah. it's like death to video drone, long live the new yeah, flash. Yeah, long live the new flash, yeah. It is like a PG-13 version of video drone. Apart from the whole, um, the whole sort of Jude Law pegging thing, but then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. you peg hard. <laughs> and where the Chinese waiter gets his face shot off. Yeah. Really 
Existenza's got some really horrible bits that have stuck with me. Like there's the the bit where she lubes up the US. The, the, yeah. The, oh god, that's disgusting. I, I, lo- I love what you're doing what with your finger doing? right she, there. <laughs> she, sort of, she sort of lubes up the port, doesn't she? Of where they're going to stick the thing in his back. That's just. Um, you wouldn't want to go in dry though. Yeah, you need it lubed, right? Yeah, but yeah. I would rather just leave it as it is. Um, <laughs> bit a bit. It's a bit that really freaks me out when Jennifer Jason Lee opens her mouth. Do you remember that bit? Where he, he says, oh, I don't like the idea of having like a, a hole that goes directly into my body. And she goes, that's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And then sort of, opens, she sort of does this really disgusting, yeah, is... like yeah. long mouth open bit. And I, <laughs> it's disgusting as well. It's just really rank this film I think. It's not it's not shocking or horrific. It's I think just... that's why I liked it so much as a teenager because it was just rank and it was just like yeah, I'm edgy too. Like it's it's basically just it's it's a teenager's wet dream. It's ridiculous this film. Um because it's video games, it's it's shit being put into people. The girl's got Bad hair that was very much in style at the time. Wow, Jennifer Jason Lee's hair is amazing. No, it's kind terrible. Of half, the straight kind of and half, then the curly. Straight half wavy bit. No, oh, my so hairdresser good. did that to me the other week, and I got so annoyed. Um, <laughs> like if, if we're talking about Cronenberg's best films, like they're out there, but they're subtle. This film is just like. Here's a weird gun. Uh, right, let's move on to our second feature. So we'll skip back to 1986 and The Fly. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. A brilliant inventor's body and personality take a downhill turn after an experiment goes wrong, thanks to the unwanted presence of a simple housefly. The Fly is Cronenberg's uh, greatest film ever, surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think great. much great. as yeah. I love Shivers, I mean, The Fly is a masterpiece. Like, it's so good. It doesn't need to be half as good as it is, really, no. and it would still be amazing. It's, it's, it's perfect. For a really great horror director to be given a massive Hollywood budget mm. and yeah. come out with something that's brilliant, yeah, yeah. Well, who else has done? No, no, no one. And and also how how popular it was. It wasn't like it shortchanged the mainstream audience. Like pe- normal people went to see it and loved it. It yeah. it was a hit. It was a, a great movie. But it was also so fucked up. And I don't think, <laughs> I, yeah, like you said, I don't think anybody else has pulled that off. I've I've seen it so many times, and I watched it last week again for the first time, maybe five years, something like that. And I thought, oh, God, I know The Fly so well. I don't even need to watch it for this podcast. And watching it, I actually got, like, really emotional just about how fucking good it was. And like like the keyboard warrior I am, I went straight onto Letterboxd to write this, like, 2,000 words. I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking perfect. Because it really is. I just cannot get over how fucking good this film is. Still. Like, it's just 
wonderful. I, I I won't shut up if I start talking about all the reasons <laughs> why I, I love it. It's just so good. Um, Emily, when did you first see The Fly? Um, I first watched it, I think, on late night TV when I was a teenager. I remember watching it and being scared to watch it for ages because, um, well, the first thing I heard about The Fly, weirdly enough, came from my nan, who was then in her 70s, because for some reason she'd watched it round at my uncle's house and her one-line review was, he vomits and his hand comes off. Ugh. Mm. <laughs> and I was kind of intrigued and frightened by this movie for ages ago. I can't, I can't watch this. And I did watch it and I was like, well, this is... You know, it messed with my head in all the right ways, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic, mm. and I still do. So, yeah, it's good. When it came out on VHS, my friend, um, who was it? I think it was my friend down the road, Martin. Um, he'd obviously read a review that said something like, "It's it's ninety minutes about sex. It's not a horror film. It's it's ninety minutes about sex." And he came to me and said, "Oh, the flies just out on video. It's got a ninety minute sex scene in it." <laughs> it's it's like 96 minutes long i don't think it can have a 90 minute sex scene can it and he's like no it does i read i read a review it says it's got a 90 minute sex scene wow (laughs) i guess in a really weird cronenbergian way yeah (laughs) uh phil yes uh, yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? It again has like, um, especially when you're a teenager, it has the bits that you can really discuss in the in school the next day, like mm. peeling off his um, his thumbnail, and um, it's got some great. I love Jeff Goldblum anyway, but it's got some of the best Jeff Goldblum isms in it. Like, there's a bit where he goes, "Hey, look at this. What's that? I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking awesome." <laughs> um, he, like there's a bit where he, the bit where he opens his cabinet and all the bits that have fallen yes, off him are in the, there, the, and it's so quick and you just really want to go get get there's his penis there's his penis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely saw penis yeah really quick it's got one of the best walking on the walls it really oh, feels like he is walking incredible, that's incredible that, yeah. like, looking at his hands is so realistic but I've always found the bit where he punches the 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 the, 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 the beam the where he punches thing, yeah. the wood off the beam. Do you know, I'm not describing it well. You know the bit I mean, where he yeah. punches the, the beam yeah, yeah, by punching yeah. it. Um, for some reason, that always really upset me because that looks mm. very realistic, mm. where he's mm. punching that beam off. Is that um, when he's talking to Gina Davies? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't like any of that bit, really. It's horrible. No, it is. It's very, it's very... Uh, uh, no. Where when he's trying to pull the prostitute into the... Is she a prostitute? No, she's just some no, woman just a bar. lady he meets in a bar, yeah. Just a bad person, isn't he? Yeah, he, the way that he's like really rough with her and sort of mm. pulling her into this. Yeah. Oh, that no, whole that's scene very is just unsettling. Yeah. Mm. Um, when Gina Davis gives birth to a maggot. Oh, that really oh. shit me up and, when I first saw that. And oh, like God. in any other horror film, that mm. would be the that would be the standout horrific moment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but I have to remind myself that it happens, man. It's it's that, that scene is horrific. Very much like an afterbirth. It's an afterthought I'd... and horrible. <laughs> And that is uh, um, David Cronenberg delivering the maggot as well. Yes. Mm. He's the guy. Is it, oh, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah, he's got the mask on. Yeah. He's like, hey, let's do some weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, I'm here. Now push out that maggot. Yay. <laughs> all of the computing seems realistic as well, especially for the time. Like, it felt like maybe, you know, like when they do computing, mm. like in films, they mm. do things like go, 
they sort of talk to the computer and like the com- and it's sort of I love the way they use the computer because because even though I don't think it's realistic of computing at the time and I don't think the science is obviously realistic if you want to dissect it it's so cinematic like like you, yeah. you could not make a man at a computer more gripping than the fly does <laughs> it just feels like you understand exactly what's happening because the computer's telling you in such a way that the yeah you know it's communicating so much yeah. through, through that vision. and it trusts in the viewer's intelligence yeah the good thing about this film is like you're so invested in Jeff Goldblum's character and his scientific brilliance like there's a scene mm. where he's just when Gina Davis comes in he's like I'm going to play some piano for you and he uses the piano stool for his computer chair and that's a small small thing mm. but it really adds to it. There's beautiful brilliant. quirks, isn't there? Like Gina Davis's mm. car in this being like this shitty banger. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just a little thing that they throw in that makes the, the characters feel real. But I just think that the, yeah. the characterization in this film is is just amazing. Uh, and I also, think... there's no fucking time wasted, is there? That no. first scene, they meet at the um, at the conference or whatever it is. Next scene, he's showing her his invention. Yeah, no fucking yeah. about. And what what a what a beautiful yeah. conversation at the start, like like that first line mm. um, where she's where he says, "Oh, so what am I working on now?" That's the whole film. Just told you right yeah. there. What what is he working on <laughs> yeah. now? And and then when he starts talking about his espresso machine, and it, it's just such like the dialogue's just sparking off the screen. It's incredible. No, and and of course it's got it's got my favourite thing in all eighties horror films, a proper transformation scene. Obviously, it's got two mm. transformation scenes: mm. one that takes up most of the film, yeah. and then the oh, but it's so good. The final transformation into the actual fly thing. It, oh, I love it; it's so good. But you still think it's Jeff Goldblum in there, don't you? Even even when it is yeah. full puppet, you're still looking at it because yeah. you believe so much in the character. There's something about the eyes on the puppet that are like properly kind of sad. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trapped yeah. and he can't get out. I watched it with my partner, and our running joke was, "Do you think that's still Jeff Goldblum under there?" <laughs> but to the very last <laughs> point, yeah. Do you think it's still Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. Do you think I, it? Do you, do you, yeah. But it, I've, I've, it never, was. I've never seen a creature that feels that real uh, in a film. Oh God! You've got princes. This is what it feels like when doves cry. But have you ever seen <laughs> David Cronenberg's? This is what it feels like when a fly cries. <laughs> it was. <laughs> That was a crying fly at the end. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> he was sad. Like, oh, it's, the it's, shotgun. It was like, kill it's me. It's a I'm, real I'm gut gone. punch of an ending, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's so, mm. so sad. There's no punchline. There's no, there's no like, coda. It is straight there with, yeah, this is the bleak fucking ending. It, and poof, yeah. roll credits. Yeah, that's... Per- I mean, oh, imagine I, I how bad that. it would be if they'd sort of suddenly had, like, a, you know, Gina Davis and the man with the vomited off hand could be like, yeah. hey, we dodged a bullet there. Yeah. But there's no flies in here. Did he, yeah. Well, he lost a foot as well, though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's screwed. Like, if she wants to go out with someone, she's lost one boyfriend to flyism and she's got another potential partner. Who, who is, is horrible and well, he's, is also... He's horrible... Yeah. He's stumpy and he's also losing a leg, so... Yeah. And he's got an attitude problem. Oh, hasn't he? What what Seth Brundle's trying to do at the end is um, fuse himself, Gina Davis, and yeah. Jim, their fetus. And there'll be a family. I'd love to, I would love to have seen what the fuck that looked like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if that worked. <laughs> that would have been a good alternative ending. Uh, it is awesome. Everything about it is awesome. And I would do terrible things to Brundle. Maybe at 
the second stage of flyism? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's important to know your level of flyism. Well, you get to the, like the what, walking the on the ceiling when, you, when he picks up the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah when he's what he's still secreting weird shit, but I've got a washcloth. But like, <laughs> there's there's a point you'd stop. Mm. This is how I yes. watch most films, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> you'd fuck the protagonist. <laughs> At what point would I stop? At what point in their, their decay and dismemberment? <laughs> when would you fuck um, Stathis, Stathis Borans? With a hand or without a hand? Never, because he's got such a bad attitude towards he women. Does. He's awful. He really he's, he's a misogynist. He's terrible. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really interesting watching this as a woman. Uh, I've got that credential. And... Um, feeling really sorry for Gina Davis mm. a lot of the time. And it was just like, it's, it's typical Cronenberg inserting like these horrible themes, but also there's like some real stuff like with the baby and stuff. It's like, mm. shit, what do you, what do you do when your partner is a horrible monster and your ex-partner is also a horrible monster? Yeah. Do you keep that baby or do you birth a lava that might hit you? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> But what a, but what a yeah, brilliantly was... written misogynist Stathis is. Mm, like, is. The dialogue yeah. is brilliant. I've seen people on Letterboxd complain that The Fly is a misogynist film because of Stathis. No. And it's like, no, no. That, is, that is a really well-written misogynist character. It's... He does write misogynist very well, does Cronenberg, because I've, heard, uh, I've read some bits where people have described The Brood as being misogynistic. Mm-hmm. I, the, but thing again, about, I, the thing I, about the, the fly, characters. though, is like you've got this, you've got this terrible misogynist character who is breaking into a flat and stuff, and then you've got this amazing boyfriend who suddenly, without warning, after a honeymoon period, turns into an awful person. Doesn't that mm. sound familiar? Yeah. And she gets out. She gets out. Yeah. So, is is this a film about domestic violence, or am I just reading too much into it? No, I think that's but a valid, valid read reading, way. definitely. <laughs> Yeah. And she makes her choices. She makes her choices, and it, they they she's trauma fucking ties, but mm-hmm. it works out. We hope. I just one one last thing about the fly. I, I feel that trauma comes across so strongly in those final scenes. Like I, I I found myself looking at that fly thing as she's holding the gun to it, and just going, if I saw someone I love turn into this the way we've watched Brundle do this. Like, there's just no coming back from that. That is so horrible. And it's so rare that I feel that trauma when I watch a horror mm. film, where I actually think, fuck, that would fuck me up for life. Uh, but the fly gives me that. <laughs> Could happen. It's a crying fly. You have to kill the crying fly. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's time for a David Cronenberg-themed round of Scary Noises. Okay, you're playing for the right to choose one of next month's features. Um, CJ and Bryony versus Emily and Phil. Uh, have you got your buzzers and ringers and all that kind of stuff? I guess I'll... We've got my hairdresser, right. hairdryer. Your hairdresser? <laughs> 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 After we tried to do that bad wave, you're like, right, you're going to play fucking scary noises with me. You're my else. buzzer now. <laughs> you're my buzzer, bitch. Oh, no. Here's your first pair of scary noises. The man, now identified as 43-year-old Fred Atkins of Camelford, went berserk this morning during an argument over who is to be served first. Yes, 
Brian A. It's Shivers is the dialogue. Not Shivers, Um, uh, the rabbit, the one I like. Yeah, rabbit, yeah. No, I didn't music. music. No. CJ? No, I, I, was, I was too busy just enjoying the dialogue. <laughs> I wasn't even playing the game. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Emily and Phil, can you get the music? The man, now identified as 43-year-old Fred Atkins of Camelford, went berserk this morning during an argument over who was to be served first and bit the counter girl on the arm. The man was subdued by an unidentified truck driver and the truck stop diner's cook, but died of unknown causes before police arrived. Local health authorities suspect that rabies might be involved. No. No. No! Cannibal Holocaust. Right, number two. Well, there's an emergency town hall meeting this afternoon. Now, baby, you don't have to go if you don't want to. I, um, still trying to process this, but I think I'll be there. But, Michaela, I do not want you out by yourself at night anymore. It's too dangerous. But I still have prom committee. CJ. Is the music scanners? It is. Um, the dialogue, though. Is it Michaela's prom committee murder? (laughs) (laughs) No. Emily and Phil, get the dialogue here, can you? That's a funny way around of saying those words, isn't it? (laughs) Well, there's an emergency town hall meeting this afternoon. Now, baby, you don't have to go if you don't want to. I, um... Still trying to process this, but I think I'll be there. But Michaela, I do not want you out by yourself at night anymore. It's too dangerous. But I still have prom committee. I won't go anywhere without Sadie. We'll keep each other safe. God, it's no, going to be no one of the scream type things, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, interesting. You said that. It's tragedy girls. Oh, it is one of the scream type things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number three. Don't you think you might have just cut yourself? No, doctor. There's a force in that mirror, and it created terror. And Lacey outside. Her shirt was ripped to shreds. And you know what, Doctor? She believes it's him. Him? Who? The ghost of her... Emily. Is the music Dead Ringers? Yes. Oh, nice. Any ideas about the dialogue? Don't know. No... Nope. Uh, well, Brian and CJ, you basically heard it all there, but here's the dialogue. Don't you think you might have just cut yourself? No, Doctor. There's a force in that mirror, and it created terror. And Lacey outside. Her shirt was ripped to shreds. And you know what, Doctor? She believes it's him. Him? Who? The ghost of her mother's lover. Is it the entity? No, no, no. It's the boogeyman. Uh, really long the boogeyman. Uh, so halfway, two, one to see Jane Bryony. Here's the fourth one. None of our test subjects has returned to normality. They're all in need of intensive psychiatric care. Now you seem to be functioning reasonably well so far. CJ. Is the dialogue scanners? No. Oh, yeah, scanners. Oh, no. Do you want to oh, guess on the music? On. Bryony said, oh, no, and then froze. Yeah. <laughs> Bryony, you still there? there? Got scanned out of existence. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to start again now from the start. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Devil Times 5. We're looking at vaginas. 
<laughs> Brian, are you back? I'm back, I think. Uh, Emily and Phil, music and dialogue to identify. None of our test subjects has returned to normality. They're all in need of intensive psychiatric care. Now you seem to be functioning reasonably well so far. I'd like to find out why. And I think an analysis of one of your hallucinations would be the right place to start. Is the dialogue the brood? No. Oh, bollocks. It's video drone. Oh. Uh, get some music. No. No. No, that was waxwork. Mm. Uh, so, the fifth pair, here we go. Uh. Phil. Is that, um, oh, fuck. Is that 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 oh. that that one where she cuts his penis off? Oh right. <laughs> oh that one. Oh god, what's it called? Oh, in the realm of the senses. No, no, no. It begins with A. It's a Japanese. No, that's the that's the English title for it. It's I know Corrida or something. No, 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 not realm no, of the senses. No, it's like a. It's um. <laughs> no, it's the thing where the oh. she cuts his penis oh, off at the end. Audition, audition. It is audition. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> 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 and the music? Uh, don't know. Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Existence. It was Existence, yes. Yay! Oh, Terrible film. Good music. So let's right into the final round, and it is um, 3 2 to CJ and Bryony. Mm-hmm. All to play for. Here's the final pair. You can't risk transporting him for open country. This isn't open for discussion. His unique ability to regenerate lost and damaged tissue, and it just, it cries out for more research. And you're willing to risk the deaths of innocent civilians if he escapes? Yes. But I'm, I'm sure Sergeant Marcus and his men can handle the transfer just fine. No. Ah. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. The music was from The Hitcher, mm-hmm. and uh, the dialogue was Cronenberg himself in Jason X. Oh, oh my God. Course. <laughs> yeah. So final score there, three two to CJ and Bryony. Yay! So next month, Emily's chosen uh, 1980s vampire movies for us to cast our eyes over, wow. and our features will be That's niche. near dark. <laughs> and well, CJ and Bryony, you get to pick what our Lost other Boys. Go yes. Oh. Lost Boys. <laughs> Cry, little sister. Oh, yeah, I, I fucking love I, the Lost Run Boys. Run from your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Near Dark and the Lost Boys next month then. And in the meantime, please let us know what you think via Twitter, Facebook or Letterboxd. Thanks for listening. <laughs>